On today's show, we'll be talking about new items and menus around town, some shellfish fun at Ray's Boathouse, a couple of out-of-town beer events, and Pike's Choco Fest. It's all coming up next on the Seattle Dining Show. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by... Revolve True Food and Wine Bar in Bothell, where a passion for wellness, wonderful food, and good wine infuses everything they do. All menu items are free of gluten, grains, preservatives, trans fats, GMO, and soy. Enjoy wild seafood, organic farm fresh eggs, and seasonal organic produce. Find them at RevolveFoodWine.com. Hey, this is Joel Gammon, National Chef for Sir Latab. Welcome to the Seattle Dining Show. Coming to you live from the Test Kitchen Studio high atop Queen Anne Hill, it is time for the Seattle Dining Show. Join us as we explore news about Northwest restaurants, take a look at upcoming events, discover new kitchen tips you can use at home, dive into great recipes, and much more. And now, here's your host, the senior editor, Connie Adams, and whoever else just happened to drop by today. Welcome to the Seattle Dining Show. I am Tom Marin, the publisher, and not with me today is Connie Adams because she is kind of out of it today. But uh, we've done this once before, and I'm happy to say that uh, Derek Roberts, who hosts the uh, other show I do, is here to join us again. Say hi, Derek. Guest host, the chef that shoots from the hip. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> We're going to get some of your shoot from the hip tips coming up here. Uh, you know what I was thinking about? Um, we, we've eaten at a couple of new restaurants lately, and some of them opened up either right in 2018 or pretty close to it. Sure. Um, let's start off with the barbecue smith. Yeah, man. Well, just, you know, to kind of elaborate on that first point, though, the churn here in Seattle with restaurants oh, opening and closing, it's incredible. Yep. Yeah, and it's like thirty open every month and ten close. Man, it's just it's phenomenal. As people if there's going to be in. a financial collapse, it's going to start in the restaurant industry, I think, and here. then in the real estate industry, and yeah, yeah, and then all of that money will go into the you know back into the hopefully the dining industry at some point, and uh, maybe the motorcycle industry too, right? Mm, <laughs> but you're right, you know, with all this uh, with all this churn though, we have seen some good restaurants opening up, especially. In the barbecue realm, we got one that was pretty good, I thought. Yeah, the Barbecue Smith up in uh, the Roosevelt area there. I guess that's Roosevelt, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Fremont, Roosevelt-ish. Something like that. It's yeah. at 80th and, uh, and uh, Roosevelt. Just follow your nose. That's in Roosevelt. Yeah, I think you're right, technically, yeah. Yeah. Uh, quite good. And you know... Um, you and I eat a lot of barbecue, and we know that sometimes the meat's good. Sometimes there's one or two of the sauces that are good. Sometimes the sides are good. Mm-hmm. But to to find a restaurant where all those things come together, you've got great sauces, three different choices. You've got great meats. You've got great sides uh, in one location. That that was my home run for 2018 right there. Yeah, I mean, I have to agree with you that it was a pretty terrific experience. In fact, it's one of those restaurants that I found myself not too long afterwards returning to. And one of the great things that I always like to see in a barbecue restaurant is you walk right by the smoker to get in. 
Yeah. You know, so, well, that's because we went in on the side. Well, that's true. But even if you go in on the front, the smoker, I mean, well, it's, that's true, it's yeah. a little shedded off there. But it's nice to be able to see the wood and to smell the smoke because, really, that's what great barbecue's about, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you got to actually be in there smoking it. And they're, they're doing a fantastic job there. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 it, 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 it's it's definitely something to put on your list if you're a barbecue aficionado. Like we bumped into one the other day, yeah, who told us he loved barbecue and there wasn't any good barbecue in Seattle. And I said I almost agree with you, but this one is a home run. Times have changed, and you know, for me too, uh, I just think they do an all around good job. But usually, I'm a pulled pork guy. But mm-hmm. the ribs that we had they were at excellent. Barbecue Smith were really off the hook. So I think if I return there for a third time. I might go at least ribs as part of my two meat combo. I there. like the ribs and yeah. I like the sausage. Yeah. I like the pulled pork. Um, you know, if there was if there was one thing that didn't blow me away, it was the brisket. But other people might like it. I you know, know. So on my second return, on my return visit, I had the brisket. Uh huh. And I got to tell you, it was I enjoyed it on the first visit, but I felt like you know I would have given it another point or point and a half on the one to ten scale when I returned. Oh, okay. So well, I I'll try like, it next time. I yeah. Go so I feel like it turned the corner just a little bit and improved. So I would I would encourage people to give it a shot. No cornbread, though, huh? Still no cornbread. Bummer. It's uh, BY, <laughs> bring your own oh, cornbread. I don't, yeah. we gotta, I don't know how we got to knock these guys upside the head to well, get them to make some cornbread. See, I don't know. Uh, I can go either way with that. Do you do you need <laughs> that bread component when you have barbecue? Do you yeah, feel like you want it there? I like to there? put a little sauce on it and put some butter on it. Okay. Mm. I mean, listen, I like cornbread, and they bring it out in the cast iron skillet with the honey butter. I mean, I'm not going to turn that away, but I feel like I go to barbecue for the meat first, so. Well, the you know the thing about that is is it inspires me to go ahead and create a cornbread recipe here at home, and then uh, I'll just bring my own cornbread. There you go. What do you think about that? Well, let me ask you about cornbread recipes. Do you like a little chunk? Do you like some actual corn in your cornbread, or do you prefer? Oh yeah, I like it with a little bit of corn. Okay, so you like a little. uh... I don't like chunks of sugar. Well, no. I've had it that way before. Well, but. I think, yeah, that's what a lot of cornbread becomes, corn cake, right? But uh, just, yeah, a few chunks in there, a, uh, a little rustic edge to it, I'm, I'm all for as well. Yeah. Uh, another restaurant that you and I recently ate at, and we both kind of liked it, was the Shambles yeah. Restaurant. Also uh, kind of not too far away from the Barbecue Smith, right there off of Lake City Way on 15th Northeast at... About 77th. Yeah, right around there, just uh, close uh, to the um, sort of the Lake City Strip there, right? The Lake City Way Strip, where you've got a lot of restaurants and shops and that kind of thing. Yeah. Just kind of one street removed. Um, well, but, which makes it nice because you can park. Yes, lots of parking we around like parking. there, which is important. And also lots of meat again at this restaurant. And this is kind of uh, starting out to be a meat centric episode here. But. Yeah, and they seem to have a, so they got like a like a butcher shop slammed into the restaurant there with some charcuterie and we were there over Christmas so they were selling uh prime rib. Right. Uh, with the bones on, and I mean the full bones. They had French cut those bones. They were – it looked like like giant lamb chops. It, it did, and it was uh, quite attractive. As you walk in there, they've got a little bit of a display case. And, you know, they're doing pretty much – it seemed like just about everything from scratch in there, right? Yeah. You know, so, I mean, they're doing things from the ground up. So. Well, that was the other thing, too. We started asking them, you know, is this organic? Is that organic? And they said, yeah, 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 yeah. And we're like – you got to say it on the menu, man. Yeah, add that we on there. want to know that. That's People a selling point. People for that, yeah. You I don't know, think you're going to scare anybody when you tell them it's organic. Right. And, you know, another thing that I really liked about the place, which I think we, we may have had a difference of opinion on this, is that they didn't have ketchup. Yeah. You know, and I like that. Because and they said they make their own sauces, and they offered us, like, three other kinds of sauces. It's it, like... 
Come on. See, ketchup. I like that. Yeah, but see, I, I hate ketchup. Ketchup is the is the culinary crutch, man. You could paste that on anything. I don't like that. But you like can that. make that yourself any way you want. I know, but I just don't like the concept of it. I'm kind of like an old school guy where I don't want to see anybody putting ketchup on their hot dog. I feel that with all meats. Like, I don't want... I don't know what planet you were born on. Will you put ketchup on your hot dog? Oh, heck yeah. Oh, this is No, actually, I stopped doing it several years ago. I only put mustard and onions on now. Well, see? Now you're you're, you're playing the right game You can tell me mustard's okay and ketchup's not okay. Oh, for sure. Mustard is... On the list of condiments, uh, ketchup doesn't even crack the top 20 in my book. Well, what do you eat with, with like, a french fry or a tater tot? You know, tater tots are real popular now. Listen, first of all, if you're going to go for a sweet tomato-based condiment, barbecue sauce... Sauce is ten to one better than ketchup. I would never. I, I would put my fries in barbecue. Yeah, sauce. but most people don't have barbecue sauce unless they're barbecue joint. Well, there's a good reason that uh, these places should uh, go without, like the shambles, without ketchup, and uh, they probably have barbecue sauce there. I would imagine, right? <laughs> I don't know. You they know? didn't offer that to me with the corned beef hash. Well, yeah, but, but we were uh, there in the morning, which is you know typically. But no, I don't like I don't like ketchup, man. People are slathering that on everything. It, it's too overpowering, and it's it's too sweet. It's it's no good. You know, when I make my barbecue sauce, I make it with some ketchup in it. Well, I, so I hate it, to tell you that because yeah. you've eaten it, but you didn't know that. Well, Sorry. no, I listen. I know how to make barbecue sauce. All right, let's let's <laughs> let's be clear on that. I'm I'm quite plugged into the barbecue sauce world, but on its own, forget about it. I don't need any of that. All right, I want you to type your barbecue barbecue sauce recipe up and we're going to share it with all the seattle dining readers in the february issue How about i'll that? have to put one together i've awesome i told you i shoot from the hip earlier in the show so i don't I tend to write my recipes down i i have one barbecue sauce recipe that starts with your favorite barbecue sauce and then you build up on top of that. Yeah, you know, I've seen a lot of those. Kind of funky, but it tasted good. Yeah, I mean, that's fine. I, I feel like that's that's kind of a cheat though, right? <laughs> kind of a what? Kind of a cheat. Well, yeah, that's that's the way it felt to me. Yeah. It felt like you're cheating, like somebody already made half your sauce. I feel like there's plenty of good bottled barbecue sauces out there, but... Uh, not in my world, because really? I'm organic, so... Oh. Uh, Usually, you know. Choices are limited. I like open pit. That's a Midwest thing, though. So, uh, what'd you have for breakfast at Shambles? You had the corned beef hash. I did. I went for the corned beef hash. And you went with your eggs uh I always go over, over easy, easy with corned right? beef hash, yeah. I always do that. You're uh-huh. a scrambled guy. And... Uh, I, I ate all my eggs, but I really wasn't crazy about the corned beef hash. I thought uh, I thought the flavor was good. Yeah, you know, I appreciated the flavor profile. Corned beef hash can be a little tricky, though. Well, I, had, I had to take my toothpick out and pick the the corned beef out of my teeth. Well, it was legit corned beef. They weren't running. I know. Oh you no, know, it wasn't Hormel or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, they weren't running the slurry through the uh, the cat food factory and taking what's left. You know, like some of that canned stuff. They but you were, know what? Connie had their bacon. Mm-hmm. And man, was that ever good! It and was it, delicious. You know, I learned more about this later because you remember how flat that bacon was. Yeah, and I thought, well, maybe they're putting a press on it when they put it down. Turns out, if you slow cook bacon, it won't crinkle and wrinkle up like like you normally would see bacon. Okay, you do it. Like, I'm talking like two twenty. Sure, you go low, almost like like when you're doing a barbecue. You know, when you're when you're smoking your own meats. I like that. When you go with the low, then it then uh, the the chemistry of the meat doesn't it, 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 the difference doesn't occur too quickly. Sure. And so it manages to hold its shape together as flat. I mean, I can see that. That makes sense to me. But that means I got to wait like twice as long to get my bacon, and well, I don't know true. if I want to do that. You, you know, know, side tip here: I probably eat about a pound of bacon a week myself, and uh, uh. I, I almost universally bake it. 
I like it a little chewy. Have you ever done that? You know, they called me from University of Washington Medical School, and they asked me if they could have some samples of your intestine. <laughs> I, I told them they have to talk to you directly about that. Hey, do we need to uh, tell the <laughs> listeners of my physical dimensions here? I think uh, it seems to be working out okay for me so Now, far. this was more they were looking for cancer than anything oh, else. Oh, no, I go nitrate-free, man. Oh, okay. Yeah, I go nitrate-free. And nitrite, too? Yes, yeah, okay. definitely. Except for those occurring naturally in uh, celery powder and sugar. Well, isn't it nitrate in the day and nitrate? Tried at night? That's my uh, understanding. Yeah, I yeah. don't know. <laughs> I'm listening for that cymbal crash. It's still it's out there. Well, here's uh, another new one I went to that actually, I don't know if they're officially opening this month, January, or if they actually did open already, but Connie and I went down to the new place called Heirloom, which is uh, run by the guys from Chad McKay Group, uh, Fire and Vine. And uh, you didn't go down there yet. No, I haven't checked it out yet. It's uh, right down there around the corner from the Pike Market. Oh, okay. And uh, God, there's still real estate down there, huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a nice place. Cool. Uh, it was a media dinner, so we didn't see any prices, but I would recommend that you take your 401k when you go. <laughs> but uh, it says some, that on some the really bottom of the good menu. stuff. Got yeah. an open kitchen. You can watch them while they're working in cool. there. Um, Always a good sign seafood, in the open kitchen. Had some land food. Had some interesting. What did you have specifically that stood food out? Preparation. Did you have anything? Uh... Well, I know I had wine. I remember that. Part. <laughs> uh, but I don't recall. I think there might have been some lamb that we had. Okay. And there was definitely some uh, seafood that we had. Okay. It was quite good. Uh, kind of reminded me of, of like an upscale cutters because it has that same view out to the water. Sure. Uh, which currently has. Uh, a viaduct in front of it, but you can see out to the water. But when they take that viaduct down, it's going to be beautiful out there. Yeah, that's really going to change the landscape of, uh, I think, the dining scene along that uh, that Alaskan way there, too. It's going to be interesting to see how that sort of evolves over the next two or three years. Yeah. I don't know what they're going to do. Are they going to build on top of where that is right now, or are they going to – no, I can't really do that because you got like a like the underground tunnels. Yeah, going. they're tearing it down, right? Yeah, the whole thing's coming down. So I mean, yeah. it's going to open up and really uh, make that waterfront pop. Yeah. Um, another new place that I did go to this year is the um, Crown Hill Broiler. This is the place that took over the Pancake House on Fifteenth Northwest at right around Eightieth. I'm going to guess. Right. Top of my head, eighty fifth. Yeah, just a little north of Ballard. Yeah. By the uh, the freestanding El Camion, the Mexican restaurant there, right? Oh, like 20 blocks north of there, yeah. It's not that far. That's at 65th. Oh, man, it's like, it's yeah. not, it's pretty close, though. But, I mean, you know. Yeah. You could, you could charge up your wheelchair and you could <laughs> go up there from El Camion if you want to hit two at the same time. I don't know. I'm powered by bacon. I can get anywhere. <laughs> but what did you think of the Crown Hill? I, you know, I never went to that pancake house. That was there for quite a few years, though. Yeah, it yeah. Was, and it was popular. It was. I was surprised to see it go. I mean, I don't know. It wasn't, it wasn't popular so much on the weekdays and at lunchtime. But, man, on the weekends, that place had a line out the door. Yeah. Everybody going keto and crossfitting. Yeah. Shut it down, maybe. Um. But, it, you know, when I went, it was when it had recently opened earlier this summer, and uh, it was uh, uh, order at the counter and then to bring your food, mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of burgers, a lot of fried foods, uh, and then a, a kind of a, a happening little bar lounge area where you would go in and sit. 
and and lots of ketchup, buddy. Let me oh, tell you, man. you need ketchup. You, you you get it when you go up there. They bring you by the gallon, huh? So, uh, anyways, Connie w- recently went. She told me that they changed it all around, and you don't order it to come anymore. It's all table service. Okay. Well, I mean, you know, you got to keep innovating. Certainly in the Seattle scene. So, um, I don't. I get that. Is that kind of like a diner style menu, or what are they serving there? Do you know? Uh, we would call that American fare. American fare. Okay. Fare. Okay. Yeah. So that's that's a few of the things that we rump, bumped into this year. Let's see what else. Uh, Heartbeat. A uh, new place up on top of Queen Anne. Uh, Queen Anne is getting two new vegetarian locations. Really? Uh, they're also getting a Chaco Canyon up there. But uh, Heartbeat is open, and we had lunch out of there one day. Uh, I had kind of a quinoa bowl with some veggies, and everything's made right in front of you. Okay. Uh, they got a lot of... Um, Smoothies and juicer stuff, and and uh, so if you're you know if you're thinking about maybe you know how many people go vegetarian for the first month of the year. You know, oh yeah, <laughs> so uh, that would be one to try. Yeah, and uh, we'll see we'll see how they do. They were in the building where the old Za pizza was. Okay, you know that's funny. You say that so many people do go vegetarian for the first month of the year. I I, I wonder like. <laughs> In the stock market, if you could like, if you buy soybeans at the end of uh, November, if you see like an uptick, for, like well, the first you buy month them the in puts, and then that there way you, you actually make money when they don't sell. So. <laughs> That's right. Stay, <laughs> stay tuned for the Seattle Financial Show after this. All right. Well, listen. Um, let's take a little break, and when we come back, we'll talk about some of these news bites that are on our list here. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by. Ethan Stoll Restaurants. Fresh ingredients. Let's the food do the talking. From house-made pasta to ribeye for two. Find them at www.ethanstollrestaurants.com. Hi, this is uh, Brian. Uh, I live in Seattle. Uh, if I were to recommend a place to go, it would be Lakosho, the Harbor Steps. Reason why uh, is something new to experience on a regular basis off of uh, Matt's menu, and uh, I think the variety is excellent. Hi, this is Chef Josh Henderson, and you are listening to The Seattle Dining Show. Back on the Seattle Dining Show, I'm your host, Tom Marin, and I'm here with Derek Roberts today instead of Connie. You guys are going to have to wait till next month to listen to Connie's lovely voice again. Guest host. <laughs> uh, we're going to do some news bites, and I think we're going to jump right into calendar without taking a break because uh, there's not a whole lot of news bites going on. Yeah, here. let's do it. So uh, this place called Hotcakes, that's a, we think it's a bakery, right? I think so, yeah. With uh, locations in Ballard and Capitol Hill has added five seasonal treats this winter. Blood orange and nib panna cotta. What do you think? You going for that? Well, so I'm trying to I'm trying to remember with hot cakes. Do they do I thought that they were chocolate cake oriented. Well, 
That sounds to me like they're doing dessert, so you yeah, better roll with that. I guess so. <laughs> so are you drooling at the blood orange and nib panna cotta? Well, you know, i got to be honest with you. I'm looking at the list here, and my eye wandered immediately to the next one on the yeah, okay, list. Okay, that's so. the pistachio pear cake. Yeah, two things that I feel like are very underrated in the culinary world. I don't feel like I... I, I don't s- think I've ever had one. Well, I just don't feel like I see enough pistachio or pear. I, I feel like the flavor profiles on those are exquisite. Yeah, you know what a pain in the butt it is to, to shell a pistachio? No wonder. I do. You can get them unshelled, though, now, right? It's only like 40 bucks a pound. I know, but you know, <laughs> they're paying some monkey to shell them. I mean, like, literally, doesn't the Woodland Park Zoo have a monkey program where they actually have monkeys just shell pistachios all day? And yeah. That's like the halfway house for monkeys, right? They, they put them in there. Yeah, the ones pistachios. that they don't want running around <laughs> yeah. in the streets. Yeah, exactly. Uh, let's see. There's uh, a ginger snap milk. Okay, that's interesting. It's very holiday, though, right? Yeah, I guess that would kind of be... Up there with, uh, <clears throat> what's the Christmassy drink? Oh, eggnog? Eggnog. Yeah, yeah you go get yourself yeah. an eggnog and a gin- ginger snap milk in your... Or you could go, go uh, a little thicker and go with a ginger Meyer lemon shake. Uh, and then there, oh, here's your chocolate coming up now. Chocolate rum raisin boozy shake. I bet you could shoot from the hip and make that up. Right wow, there, man, that seems pretty. Uh, that seems pretty rich. I think I'd have to go with a small on that, but it's probably pretty tasty. I'll split it with you. There we go, <laughs> and we'll have two. Tis the season. Uh, so that's at both stores, Ballard and Capitol Hill. Okay, next uh, bit of news bites. And by the way, uh, we have all our news bites online at SeattleDining.com. All you got to do is click news bites. Uh, Ethan Stoll's Marine Hardware in Ballard is doing a special Whole30 menu for January. It's going to be a three-course menu of good, healthy, with no sugar, no grains, no dairy, and no legumes. So basically, this sounds like it's going to be paper at that point, right? Well, what else do you have left, I guess? You're looking at <laughs> meat and vegetables pretty much, right? Yep. Yeah, and maybe I get some fruit in there too. And if you get the right vegetables, there'll be some natural sugar in them. Well, that's true. Yeah, well, do you think, uh, I mean, I would imagine Whole30, you're allowed to have the natural sugar variety, right? Yeah, I don't know. What is Whole30? Is that something I, something I don't know about? Is that like a special diet that you do for 30 days? Yeah, uh, well, so, yeah, the, according to Google, I'm referencing that here now, the Whole30 is a 30-day diet that emphasizes whole foods and the elimination of sugar, alcohol, grains, legumes, soy, and dairy. The Whole30 is similar to, but more restrictive than the paleo diet. Okay. All right. So, so that's go. going to have a lot of protein. Yeah. And adherents may not eat natural sweeteners like honey or maple syrup, according to this. So that's interesting, too. Yeah. And no no uh, brown sugar, no molasses. Right. No... Oh, bummer. I'm not doing it. <laughs> that's it. I'm not doing it. Uh, okay. Well, this seems odd, but it's a good thing. Salumi, with all its wonderful deli meats, now uses its extra pancetta to make chocolate chip Cookies. Are you getting those flavors going in your brain? I am, yeah. Chocolate chip and pancetta? I am, because it's a little bit like bacon, right? So that's not unheard of for there to be sort of the saltiness of bacon paired with the sweetness of chocolate. Um, But chocolate chips and crisp pork, I think I could get behind that. I'd probably go for one of those. So I guess this is like uh, part of the food scrapping movement, huh? Where you figure out how to do stuff with the food you're going to throw away otherwise. No scrap left behind? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no scrap left behind. (laughs) Uh, okay, uh, this is up in the neighborhood where I live. Naked City Brew Pub in Greenwood has closed 
And we don't know when they're going to open ever again. Probably never. Yeah. Now, have you on Christmas Eve? Have you been to the Naked City? I have. I went there several times. It wasn't a place I wanted to go to all the time. Plus, it got really infested with children. Uh, I guess. Which kind of, you know, with my hearing and the room is loud and then the kids are screeching. Sure. uh, A pint of beer was not taking care of it. Yeah. You needed at least two, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, and then I'd have to take the bus back up. Were they brewing their own stuff in house? Making their or? own beer okay. in the house, and uh, but they had a, a sports bar come in across the street, and then they had the lodge open up down oh, yeah. on the corner, and so those things probably chewed away at some of their business. Sure, but they seemed to be busy when I went by. I don't know if maybe they're going to razz that building or what. Well, you know, it's just so tricky, and we've had so many micro brew pubs and that kind of stuff open up in the last five years. It's a it's a very competitive market, even if you are brewing a good beer. Yep. Uh, let's see. Okay, the Preservation Kitchen. This is out in the Bothell area. In fact, it used to be right in Bothell, and they moved out on the edge there. Uh, into that beautiful house that had a French restaurant in it for years. Oh, nice. Uh, or Italian, I think it was. Uh, anyways, uh, the original owners, Gary and Susan Southwick, have retired, and the new owner is a chef by the name of Jep, J-E-P. It's called Chef's Jep House, and he calls it that because a lot of the people who work there are chefs. Okay. So could be some turnover. I don't know. Well, maybe a lot of good I- a lot of good ideas going around in there too. It sounds like a, an accomplished staff, anyway, right? Yeah. Wonder if they all shoot from the hip. <laughs> hmm. All right. Let's look at the calendar here. Uh, Tuesday, January first. Hope you caught the show by now. Uh, this is a brunch at Scout Northwest from eight a.m. to three p.m. They're going to have an extended brunch menu. Sparkling beverages and no pre-fee. So the cost is based on what you choose. And this is uh, right downtown, right? Scout is yeah. on uh, First Ave there, just uh, re- relatively close to the market. I believe you. Yeah. yeah. I've, I've, I've been there once or twice for brunch. It's quite good. Uh, but, but in case you listen to the show after January 1st, and it's still not the 8th, we have the next thing is for you. Uh, Tuesday, January 8th, Shellfish or Shell Fest at Ray's Cafe. So uh, Chef Paul Duncan will be there creating a winter shellfish menu like he does each January. It's going to run through the 27th of the month. Uh, some of the highlights of the menu are a Dungeness crab bruschetta, bourbon garlic prawns, a scampi fettuccine alfredo, pan-seared Pacific oysters, and more. And you could still get the regular Ray's Cafe menu while you're there as well. That sounds like a pretty good spread. Are you much of a shellfish guy? You know, I do, actually. I really like crab, lobster, the whole thing. I'm, I'm What on about board. the clams? Clams, uh, you know, they're a, little just, they're a little too difficult to eat, to be honest with you. Yeah, because you squirt when you put them in your mouth? A little bit of that. I mean, I like clams, but I, I, honestly, nine times out of ten, I'd rather have it in chowder than on their own. Yeah, how about oysters? Oysters kind of feel the same way, yeah. you know. I mean, they're, I like them. I enjoy them. But generally speaking, I'd probably go in a different direction. Do you like to get like a big gooey duck and just chop it all up and eat it? You know, I've never had gooey duck. Oh, okay. We should, we should do uh, a trip out to the coast and let's harvest some gooey duck. Okay. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Not in for that? <laughs> we'll take a squid recipe and we'll substitute gooey duck. How's yeah, that? That's fine, too. 
Okay. Uh, Tuesday, January 15th, the Maximilian Wine Dinner. It's going to be at 6 p.m. at Maximilian. That's down by you. Not too far from Maximilian. Maximilian is in the market on the south side. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's that's very close by. Going to be a five-course dinner by Chef Christian Potvin featuring Francis Sud. I don't know if I'm going to say this right. Sud-Aust region. Oh, it's that's France. German. It's France, right? Wouldn't it be yeah. Sud-Wee? Su- Sud-Wee. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah. See, if Connie was here, she could be saying <laughs> this, and I wouldn't that. have to yeah. be stumbling around. Uh, and it's going to have uh, five three-ounce pours. So that's uh, 15 ounces for those of you counting. It'll <coughs> uh, be uh, featuring Tenet Wines, a partnership between CSM and Rhone winemaker Michael Gasser, CSM's bar – no, Bob Berto and Michael Gasser will both be on hand. Price is going to be $110 per person, and we don't have the information as to whether that includes the tax or the grant. But 6 p.m. on the 15th, if you're looking to get the new year started off with a, uh, a very nice meal. Yeah. Got to be good if it's at Maximilian. Uh, two events coming up at Sato San Michel, Friday, January 18th, reception at 5.30, movie at 7. And... They are partnering with the Seattle International Film Festival, and they will be showing a the movie called Won't You Be My Neighbor, which is the documentary about Mr. Rogers. Oh, that's right. Uh, God, I don't know what kind of wine you drink with that when, when you're, you're watching, watching a Mr. Rogers documentary. Yeah, it has to be something that matches his sweater color, right? Uh yeah, red. Yeah, there right? you go. Yeah. There you go. Red wine. <laughs> yeah. There. Okay. Oh man, he 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 was known to wear some white sweaters now and then. So oh, that's true. Yeah. So depending on the season, to see what's on the uh, on the dock. Oh, maybe depending on what part of the movie you're in, you're either getting red wine or white wine based on whatever color sweater he's wearing right then. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Nothing says uh, watching a Mr. Rogers documentary like polishing off two bottles of wine during it, right? Well, here's the way it works. The ticket price is $30 and includes a glass of wine, appetizers, and the movie ticket. Uh, By the way, the facility out there is beautiful. We went and toured it this year, and uh, they built a a, a kind of a rebuilt the whole entertainment facility at Chateau Saint-Michel. Because they really do a lot of events throughout the year. I mean, it's it's a big deal for sure. Uh, Saturday, January 19th, if, if you didn't already like just overdo it at the Mr. Rogers documentary, you can go back to Chateau Saint-Michel for the After Hours with Ian James at 7 p.m. Ian James is going to be performing Soulful Music Live. Gotta like that. And uh, first after hours of the year. I'm not sure what that means. It's going to be $30 it's the cost. Uh, Saturday, January 19th at the Salmon. Oh, this is going to be the Salmon Safe Wine Dinner at Ray's Boathouse. Now, remember, earlier we talked about Ray's Cafe. Right. That's the upstairs. And then the boathouse is about twice as much to go there. I got you. Just below. But it's a beautiful dining area they have downstairs. Yeah, definitely. So so this is going to go from 6.30 to 11 p.m. Pairings from top Pacific Northwest wineries, including A. Maurice, Bethel Heights, and Brickhouse, 
all of which have been certified as salmon safe. Now, when you're working at the Brickhouse Winery, they're playing the Commodores a lot when you're, <laughs> when you're in there? I don't know. It's going to be a five-course menu. It's $125, and that includes the tax and the gratuity. Right, letting it all hang out. Also on Saturday, Saturday January 19th, the Ellensburg Winter Hop Brewfest from noon to 5 p.m. Online tickets available, or you can buy them at the Let's see. Some people say Katita, some say Kittitas. Gotcha. Chamber of Commerce. So whichever one you want to buy them at, it's all the same one anyways. I have it on good authority. That's the same place. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> same address. Yeah. So it must be. Uh, $40 includes the admission, the tasting glass, five tasting script. What's a script? That's... Is that like a poker chip or something? It must be, right? And you can buy more scripts. If you want. S-C-R-I-P, at least how it's noted here. Yeah, I've yeah. never heard of that before. I, You know, I, honestly, I mean, let's face it. I ditched so much in high school that my <laughs> vocabulary goes up to eighth grade and stops. So uh, well, words like scripts, I, I need to get out dictionary for. I hear you. But uh, it looks like it's going to be a pretty packed event. Over 30 Pacific Northwest breweries. Wow. I mean, that's pretty crazy, right? In over 12 different venues in historic downtown Ellensburg. Live music, 21 and over. Yeah. So that's three big events on the 19th, pretty much wherever you're at on the state, in the state here. You should be able to get to something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then and then it just goes on and on and on and on. Tuesday, January 22nd, Le Grand Bistro Americain, Bordeaux Wines at 6.30 p.m., Part of the Wine Dinner Series, exploring different regions of France. This is all about Bordeaux. Reggie, I'm going to say it wrong, <laughs> Denault will I be there, the sommelier, wine director, wine distributor, wine educator for the last 35 years. Going to be five courses, five wines, and I'll tell you, for Le Grand Bistro, 99 bucks a person plus tax and grat. Not bad. Yeah, smoking deal there. <clears throat> Go to our calendar to find the link where you can get the website to buy the tickets. Uh, Saturday and Sunday, January 25 and 26, the Strange Brew Fest. Sounds like they should have hold this back for like Halloween. Right, the October months. Uh, 15 funky years in Port Townsend on 209 Monroe Street. And this year they're honoring women in the brewing industry. Uh, please dress as your favorite superhero. Capes are encouraged. It's going to be super funky 15. Now, how many superheroes that wear capes can you name? I mean, I only think of Superman and Batman. Who else has got a cape? What about Aquaman? Well, all the Marvel superheroes wear capes. No, I don't think so. Like yeah. Spider-Man? No cape. Uh, yeah, did he have a cape? No. Captain America? No cape. No cape? Yeah. That's why it's... Wait, is this the Strange Brew Fest? Huh. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying. Oh, a Robin has a cape. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so bring your own cape. <laughs> uh, let's see. Tuesday. You know what? You could just go to the Walmart and buy some frog togs and you have a cape. Yeah. Right <laughs> oh, sorry. That was a different show. <laughs> Throwback. <clears throat> Tuesday, January 29th. Wine tasting primer. Sight, smell, taste, 
It's all happening at South Seattle College from 6 to 9 p.m. You learn how to taste wine knowledgeably and describe what you taste. Explore wine types, grapes, varietals, and wine regions of the world. Learn the basics of reading a wine label. Gain hints on smart buying, proper storing, and aging. Discussions on pairings. This is going to happen three Tuesdays. So this is uh, the 29th and then... Into uh, February, too, the first two weeks of February. Ending on the 12th. 120 bucks a person, all fees are included, which I guess means tax and gratuity. It's actually kind of a good deal if you were interested in really getting up to speed on wine. No, I mean, I think it's a great idea. And plus, it's just at uh, South Seattle College, so that's going to be very local for a lot of people. Yeah, and they have parking, too. Right. <clears throat> uh, Sunday, February 10th, the Pike Chaco Fest, happening from 6 to 9 p.m., Featuring beer, chocolate, and savory bites. Uh, the event celebrates Valentine's Day with unlimited food bites from local restaurants and talented chocolatiers, as well as sips from local breweries, wineries, and distillers. Benefits the Washington Trails Association. Oh, that's nice. There's a couple of causes I can get behind. I'm a, I'm a big fan of dark chocolate, and of course, uh, getting into the outdoors, too, I, I also like. So maybe I'll check this out. Uh, yeah, well, knowing that you like to ride motorcycles off-road, you might want to think twice about WTA. <laughs> but nonetheless, go. Uh, $60 uh, plus fees. And uh, the ticket includes all food, Choco Fest class, 10 drink tickets, and live music. Telling you now because this sells out. Now, so. Well, I tell you what, there's no excuse to go uh, either thirsty or hungry in the month of January and into February there. There's a lot of stuff going on right around here. Oh, yeah. Popular month for food. Yep, exactly. All right, um, let's uh, let's take a little break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about some of your kitchen tips and some of my kitchen tips. The shoot from the hip guy and the more pragmatic guy. <laughs> Only on the Seattle Dining Show. We'll be right back. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by Queen Anne Olive Oil. Explore their huge selection of flavor-infused olive oils and balsamics. Mix and match to create some unique taste treats. Take a field trip soon to the top of Queen Anne and experience oils and vinegars in a whole new way. Find more information at QueenAnneOliveOil.com. Hi, I'm Nicole and I live in Everett. I like to go to Emery's by Silver Lake. Hi, this is Brian Carter from Brian Carter Cellars and you're listening to the Seattle Dining Show. We are back on the Seattle Dining Show. I am Tom Barron, the publisher, the host, and uh, the backroom coder. <laughs> and I am here today with Derek Roberts. And uh, anybody who has not 
heard Derek before. Uh, Derek and I do a, another show together about motorcycling in the Pacific Northwest. And uh, we both own motorcycles and we enjoy riding them uh, both on-road and off-road all over. And that's, uh, that's one of our commonalities. Another commonality of ours is that we both enjoy cooking. And uh, this is a great city for cooking in because what's available to you to cook at home is superior to other cities, even some of the the big ones I've been to. Um, and so um, Derek likes to shoot from the hip in the kitchen, whereas I tend to like to start with a recipe and maybe augment it from there. Um, and eventually I'll sometimes just turn that into mine. Sure. So we're going to go back and forth here with some of our tips. He doesn't know what mine are, and I don't know what his are. Uh, you want to start? Yeah, sure. I'll get us all started off here. And along those lines of commonalities, not only do we, do we both enjoy cooking, but I think eating, too, is Yeah, we like we, we like eating yeah. at home, and we like eating now. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, you know, for me, a big thing is is I definitely, when I cook at home, I tr- and even when I order out, to be honest with you, I trend towards what I always refer to as a little bit of sort of an old world style. I like real hearty dishes, very meat centric. Meat and vegetables is kind of where I tend to go. And so, one of the things that I really do, especially when I get good, high quality cuts of meat or good, high quality ground meat, mm-hmm. is I reserve the fat because I use the fat pretty regularly to make things like soups and stews. So even, for instance, recently, just the other night, I baked up some organic chicken thighs. And uh, I, of course, never get anything other than dark meat when I'm serving it on its own, unless I'm making a whole chicken. I never go for that white meat stuff because dark Mm -hmm. meat's where all the flavor is. But I baked those up. It was quite tasty. I had a little chicken left. And I reserved the fat because with the rest of that chicken – I am going to dump that fat back in and make sort of a, I'll use the term, bastardized stock out of it. Mm-hmm. And I find that to be quite a good way to not only use you know all the available ingredients, but also to make a really rich base for a nice super stew. So that's going to be going into a chicken noodle soup here in the next couple of days. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, now, when you do, okay, so then you, you when, when you make your stock, you don't, you don't make a stock at home using like chicken backs or anything like that. You just make a... So, actually, I do occasionally make chicken stock, you know, from scratch. And the way I do it is also quite rich. So what I will do is I I roast my chickens in a 500-degree oven in a cast iron pan. And then I reserve the the drippings, Mm -hmm. and I add uh, usually, you know, some sort of herb element, usually maybe like uh, a little thyme or some sage or something Mm -hmm. like that. And, in fact, because I am a, a nut for fat, and for richness, I sometimes will even cut that with a little bit of butter. And then uh, when I make the stock, I will make just a traditional stock, some onions, some celery, maybe a little bit of carrot in there. I don't like to discolor it too much with the carcass from the chicken. I'll eat the chicken as a meal. Mm-hmm. And then I'll take those leftover pan drippings, and I will cut that into the stock when I make the soup. Mm-hmm. So you get this velvety smooth, really rich you know, you can sort of bring up some of those bits off the bottom of that cast iron pan, and then that goes back into the soup. Mm-hmm. And, man, that'll cure what ails you. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. Well, I'm glad to hear you say organic because when you start talking about using all the fat in ground meat, sure. or, um, the p- trouble with the <clears throat> – if it's not organic, it's full of omega-6, which your body doesn't need. Right. 
one iota bit more of that, and and it's also full of the bad things that do clog up your veins. Whereas with organic beef and chicken and and whatever uh, protein, uh, you're not putting stuff in your body that's going to clog up your your arteries the way that non organic products sure. do. Well, you know, particularly just to kind of elaborate on that too, particularly for beef, um, the cheaper the cut the less fat that I typically want on it. So if it's just like your standard Safeway corn-fed beef, I'm looking for a leaner one because I want less fat. Mm. But if it's a higher quality cut, grass-fed, um, I'll take all the fat you got. Yeah. If it's grass-fed and you know, and organic and all that kind of stuff, that's the way that I'll go. I watched my dinner guest at uh, Christmas eating their prime rib and eating all the fat on the prime rib. Which, you know, is perfectly fine when it's grass-fed, and yeah. that's what I served them. So. I'm that guy. I will I definitely do that as out. well. Yeah. Uh, for your uh, white chicken meat, you said that uh, <laughs> all the flavors over in the dark meat. I'll tend to disagree with that, and I'll give you a tip. All right. Uh, for your white meat, uh, brine it before you work with it. So brine it for several hours at least in the fridge, if not overnight. I agree with you on and that. And that'll get you a nice, more plumper, juicier. And then the flavors that you work with into that meat, maybe some thyme or rosemary or whatever later, uh, they'll meld in a lot nicer. But let me ask you this. If you're just going to make just a straight chicken dish. Now, if I'm going to do a whole chicken, I would consider that. You know, I'm not going to get rid of the breast, obviously. But if you're just going to go and you're like, hey, I'm going to make chicken whatever – wouldn't you just go? I mean, I always just go for the dark meat. I'm not I've been gonna. doing that a lot lately with my soups. You know, yeah. all my soups are calling for white meat, and I've been putting thighs in. Forget so. about it. That's what I'm saying. That's what <laughs> I'm saying. I don't need any of that stuff. I need some built-in flavor. But there are dishes where I am going to have some chicken with, you know, used as a chicken breast. So um, that's just a way to get a better tasting. I agree with going. you there. That's a good tip. Uh, and then you talked about using butter, and I got butter out of my kitchen years ago. And the only thing in my kitchen is ghee, which is clarified butter. Sure. A lot better for you uh, health-wise. Again, doesn't have the uh, coagulants in it that will clog up your arteries later. And, of course, you know, we know uh, Derek's a, a little bit younger than I am. He doesn't have to worry about these things yet. But it'll all come back and roost if you don't clean up your act now, you know. Well, what I will tell you on that is there's actually been quite a bit of debate now because what I often use is carry gold grass-fed butter so um there is some debate as to whether or not yeah. ghee or grass-fed butter is the better option there is organic grass-fed yeah so i usually go for the carry gold on that so sticking in along those lines of the grass-fed beef well i also find when i'm working with ghee i only use a teaspoon instead of a tablespoon because it's so rich in flavor sure and so i i think i might actually be saving money because yeah, I'm only using a third yeah. of what i would use in terms of butter so i just i i can't that's one thing that, Tea and butter are two things I do not sacrifice on. I go all out on those. So uh, my first tip here was uh, kind of already talked about a little bit, but um, in my kitchen, the whole kitchen is organic. Right. And I don't put things into my kitchen that are not. So um, what I find is obviously it's better for me health-wise. It is more expensive, and the food tastes better. Yep. So uh, with the exception of the uh, being more expensive – uh, the other two benefits are awesome, and I don't mind paying the extra money. I'm, I'm probably a little more careful with waste and that sort of thing now. I don't do a lot of food scrapping. I'm not the guy with all the bones that are in the freezer. Right. You know, if I'm to make a chicken stock, I go and I buy a chicken back. That's right. But I can buy organic chicken backs now, so that's that's even better. So No, I mean, I agree with you there, too, and that's actually um, one of the things that was another one on my list, something that I started doing recently 
um, on the in the world of organic is uh, I got one of these silicone muffin pans. Yeah, you know, and I do the egg muffins with cage free eggs and nitrate uh, nitrate free bacon. Have you ever done this before? Now wait, are you talking about a, a muffin pan, or are you talking about an egg ring? Uh, no, this is a muffin pan. So it's a muffin pan. So, so I, get, I just get a regular muffin pan. Right. So it's got 12 spots in there. Uh-huh. And then I'll take whatever I've had from maybe a, a previous meal. So whether I you know, baked up a, a pound of nitrate-free bacon or I uh, fried up some good uh, high-quality sausage, mm-hmm. drop those in the muffin pans. And then usually about one cage-free egg scrambled right on top of that. Bake that in the oven at 350 for about 25 to 30 minutes, mm-hmm. and they pop right out just like little egg muffins. Yep. And you just stick those in the fridge, man. You can eat them for four or five days. Uh, you microwave two in the morning. Good idea. Yeah. Probably throw some in the freezer, too. You can throw them in the freezer, too. Yeah, they hold up really well. You just want to make sure that once you pull them off, you, you know, if you have a cooling rack, that's best, so you can let some of that excess moisture yeah. Uh, go away. But yeah, freeze them for two or three months. You should be good. Well, you could you could grease your, your baking pan, your silicone pan with ghee. Yeah. What I usually do is... you get a little buttery flavor in there with it. Yeah. So sometimes I'll do butter or sometimes if I'm in a hurry, I'll just do a drop of olive oil in there. Yeah. You know, and just kind of bring and it And you're up only a baking bit. at 350, so you're not putting the olive oil a smoke point. That's right. And plus, you know, those silicone pans that you should only use up to about 425 or 450 anyway. Oh, is that why there's that big blob in my <laughs> oven? Oh, I see. Better in your oven than in your colon, right? So, yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, you know, I learned a little thing. Connie got me a really nice uh, cookbook for Christmas. It's, it's called the, I think it's called The Chemistry of Food. And um, one of the things I learned about in there was was really whipping up. You, if you're doing a scrambled eggs like you're talking about. Sure. Or you're doing them a scrambled eggs. Yeah, right? that's, that's what right. That's what you're pouring in. Yep. Is just whip some air into that, and you'll get a, a lot fluffier uh, finished product when you do that. That makes a huge difference with scrambled eggs. I agree with that. Yeah. Really trying to whip that out. And then uh, also just, you know, people kind of dismiss scrambled eggs. But if you pay a little bit of attention and you get that to where it's just, like, just goes past the runny mark, mm-hmm. that really improves. You know, a little butter in there, you know, some grass-fed yeah. butter, again in the pan. Really whip those hard and then make those scrambled eggs, but don't leave them on too long. As soon as they're ready, get them out of the pan. And you don't have to scramble them while they're in the pan. No. Just let them just That's pour the, the batter exactly. in and then just let it cook. But don't let it cook to the point where it gets yellow on the edges because at that point you're starting to burn the bottom of the egg. That's it. And then it changes the entire flavor profile. But uh, I agree with you there. What I would say, though, about the egg muffins is I, have, I tend to not beat them as much because when they bake, the air creates too many, too many bubbles. Oh, so I try to beat them less to keep it a little denser because they it, once they bake they get like the popped mm-hmm. tops oh, on then, them a little oh, bit. Oh, I see what right? you're saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, well, here's another little trick I learned a while ago, and I've been using it a lot lately. So I'm gonna I've mentioned it on the show once before, but I'm gonna mention it again. Um, and it's it's how to make creamier soups without using cream. Okay. So what I'm doing is uh, I'm making a lot of soups these days. And so I'll take um, a soup. It'll usually be about <clears throat> three, three, four cups worth of soup when I get done with it. And I'll take a cup and a half of that soup and I'll throw it in the in the in the, not really a blender, but you know the small handheld. Oh yeah, the blender. hand mixer. Yeah, hand yeah. mixer. And I'll I'll just mill it down. And and get a really nice thick sauce. Going. Yeah, I like that. And I put that back in the soup, 
and then I stir up the soup, and now I got a creamy soup without any cream. Yeah, I like that, and you don't have to use any because a lot of times uh, people will use to thicken their soups, you know, the leftover starch from pasta or potatoes. But now you can avoid some of those negative health consequences. Yeah, right, and uh, do it your way. I like that. Yeah, much richer. Your turn. Oh, my turn. Okay. Uh, so we talked, uh, where are we at here? We talked about, um, some of the, uh, the egg muffins and some of the soups and that kind of thing. Another thing that, uh, I have been doing a lot recently is, uh, and this is kind of a simple thing. I don't even know if it's really a tip, but we've seen a lot of transition in health literature over the days, kind of getting away from carbohydrates and bread and all that kind of stuff, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, so I try to use that stuff more as a treat. And what I have really clinged on to is that, Fresh bread is where it's at. So yeah, definitely. If, if you live near a bakery like myself, I live just uh, two blocks from Macrina. Uh, I go down there once or twice uh, a week and get you know a baguette. And when you're talking about with those egg muffins or with a a nice chicken soup or uh, you know vegetable beef soup, that's pretty good. A little grass fed butter on top of a simple baguette, and it's just it's a really nice treat, a really nice accompaniment. And it's so much better than store bought bread. If you got stuff that's oh, yeah. sitting on your shelf for oh, way ten or twelve days, man, it's just it's just junk. So, well, I have good luck with uh, Dave's Killer Bread. I can sure. keep that up in my fridge for uh, people. Don't even want to hear how long I <laughs> keep Dave's Killer Bread in my fridge. But I don't want to hear. I've seen the it sandwiches go bad here. Yet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I do like to use um, fresh baguettes and that sort of thing now and then if we're doing a, a dipping. Yeah sauce or something like that my problem is i only ever eat a quarter right. a half of it and you put that stuff in the freezer and it's never the same it's true it loses all its moisture in the freezer and and of course it won't last in the refrigerator because right. most of that's all white bread but um but uh try to get the smaller since you're right there by Macrina, you could probably get smaller portions rather than buying a long 16-inch loaf. Yeah, know? I usually I'll go for like a skinny baguette. <laughs> One of my favorite things down there is the seeded rye, which is uh, something that's quite uh, quite tasty there, and you know that'll last me for right up to about three days or so in a little uh, Rubbermaid container. Once I whack it up a little bit, and mm-hmm. uh, it's really it's it's really quite good. It's it's much better than like. The cheap English muffins or something like that, you know. And as an organic guy, I am seeing that Essential Baking Company has quite a bit of organic product out in the markets now. So yeah, that's true too. You do have some some opportunity good for that. Option there. Yep. Uh, you know, when we were, we were talking about uh, doing a cream, creaming up your soup. Yeah. The other thing you do is throw in some of that bread and throw that in the blender, and and it'll it'll thicken it up even more. That's like true. A nice, nice thick tomato soup at the point. Yeah. You know, after you do that, so. it's it's almost like a roux, right? Where you would kind of uh, it's almost cook a roux. You know, yeah. roux is really like a like a flour and a fat. Right. Is the basic of it. So you're not actually adding any fat. Sure. But you're getting that consistency nonetheless. Yeah. Which can really enhance things. If you want a little fat, put some ghee in there. Yeah. There put, you go. You know, some melted grass fed butter. Yeah. Or shot olive oil, whatever it may be. So. Yeah. Big Mac, leftover. <laughs> there you go. Hand mix, <laughs> hand mix your Big Mac and dump that into your soup. Oh, boy. All right. Well, my, my next tip is uh, I don't like wasting food, and uh, I have come across uh, a cookbook that is Meals for Two. Okay. It's been really wonderful. And what it's teaching me to do is uh, I'm learning how to make all these things for two people. Um, and then – I can look at a larger 
recipe now and, and I'm better at breaking it down. Because it's not always about dividing it by, you know, if it says serve eight, you don't divide it by four sure. to come up with what that final recipe is. But uh, bouncing back and forth between like a recipe for eight and something I already know how to make is for two, then I can get those portions right. And uh, I'm really enjoying doing it because I really don't like leftovers. Right. And if I'm cooking for two, I'm either going to eat one portion myself and maybe have the other as a leftover, or more likely, Connie's going to have it with me. Or like today, you had uh, the vindaloo I made. Right. I made vindaloo for two. So uh, I don't have any leftovers of that. I'm happy not having that. I didn't waste any food making it. And uh, if I get too many leftovers in my fridge, that's it. They, everything just yeah. gets chucked at one point. So, And hopefully sooner than later. We, I think we've all experienced those moments where we look in the fridge and we've got a bunch of Tupperware containers and bags, and we're like, oh, man, this stuff's cresting with mold. And, uh, yeah. I got something in there from last Monday. It's not getting eaten. Yeah. <laughs> now it's Saturday. We're recording, and I'm not, I'm not going six days with that in there and eating it. Well, you know, along those lines, too, <laughs> something that I have really taken to doing in the last uh, couple of months is starting to work on planning out um, groceries and meals a little bit more in advance uh just because i find it can be such a time suck when you find yourself going to the grocery store every day and uh, i really you know like to be able to use ingredients like row after row so for instance like i you know talked about the egg muffins the green pepper and the onion came from the night before where i'd used it in a previous dish and then just chop up the entire green pepper and the entire onion, and then in the morning when you go to make these things, they're ready to go. So if you do a little pre-planning, mm-hmm. uh, not only can you save a lot of money, but you can also make some much more desirable meals just by kind of coordinating and uh, getting these things lined up. And if you've got stuff in the fridge um, that's left over from something you're making right now, just make a little note on your fridge that you've got some parsley in there. You've right. got some cilantro. Those are the things that I throw away. I never go through the whole amounts. Yeah. And uh, if I if I make a note and remind myself, hey, you got this in here, then uh, uh, I do better at, at getting that stuff used up instead of throwing it away. Couldn't agree more. I do like to go to the grocery store three or four times a week, but it's also I happen to pass by there. Uh, when I go and do my other stuff around the neighborhood, so yeah, I think it's a little bit different for everybody. But I know for me, just some of those weeks, I just uh, you know I feel like I'd rather use the extra forty-five minutes of sleep each day than I would spend it at the grocery <laughs> store. <laughs> What's that? Right. All right. Well, one I I kind of got on to toward the end of the year here because I had uh, I just you know being in the food industry, I end up having to go out to restaurants no matter what. So. I can tend to run a higher level of bad cholesterol. I can tend to run a higher level of triglycerides. And so really been working a lot lately on not every meal, but more and more my meals are more Mediterranean-based. Okay. So they're a little cleaner in that department. Um, <clears throat> I keep waiting for McDonald's to add the Kalamata olives <laughs> and anchovy or the artichoke hearts, but they don't do it yet. But but uh, I've been having fun with that. And, and there again, uh, for Christmas, Connie got me a nice Mediterranean cookbook. So Mediterranean cooking is a pretty broad thing when for you sure. think about it. And you start looking through the different cookbooks, you realize just about anything you like to eat is there. But there's more moderation on the, on the meat proteins and uh, maybe a little more fish, um, trout. 
You know, there's a lot of Mediterranean trout recipes, but there's a lot with mackerel. Yep. And you could substitute trout for mackerel. Healthy fats in those fishes. It's a yeah. it's a big deal for Mediterranean. And olive oil, tomatoes, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you see a lot of those too. Yeah. And when I cook with olive oil, I don't I don't like it like we were talking about earlier. If I'm going to go over 350, I'm not using regular olive oil. I'm using extra light olive oil because sure. the smoke point's higher. Yep. Um, doesn't have much flavor. Kind of boring. It is a little bit. But um, you can – there's so many ways to spice up your food. Yeah. Well, then, again, though, with some of that lighter olive oil, I've had a few dishes that I know at restaurants and that I've certainly made myself in the past with, you know, just a – a richer extra virgin olive oil where I feel like it sometimes overpowers mm-hmm. a little bit. So kind of well, you can also nice. you know whip yourself up a little dip with some of that bread you have left over yeah. from Macrina. So. That's true, and that'll be you know a nice tasty hearty olive oil. Yeah, that's a great tip. Yeah, so. yeah, and uh, I guess uh, along those lines, you know, we talk about Mediterranean and tomatoes and that kind of stuff. The last tip I had here is just having a uh, a generic soup recipe that you can go to. And mine is uh, usually something centered around beef and vegetables, but uh, I use it as a tomato-based soup, and I'll throw kind of whatever I have left over from the last couple of days before in there a lot. So ground sausage or onions, green peppers, carrots, mm-hmm. uh, you know, any herbs you might have, and you can really, you know, you just control that salt content, and you can bring that flavor profile right into where you want it, and you can use up all that stuff and, you know, extend uh, yourself meals for three or four days. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like our salad recipe. You know, we have that one recipe for salad, but we leave it open-ended. So it's like dried fruits, nuts, what kind of lettuce. And then you fill in the blanks and right. you, you make whatever that salad ends yep. up being. Whatever's in season, whatever you have available, there's a lot of different ways to go with it. Well, my last one is uh, I like to cook with peppers, hot peppers. And you do need to seed them out, or otherwise you're going to burn the heck out of yourself. Um, and a uh, tool for that is may already be in your kitchen. You didn't think about it, but a melon baller works as a really good tool for seeding the ribs out of, out of peppers. Yeah, that's easy. Nice, right? You just hit the button, and whoosh, it takes that little peel on the inside down and all the yeah. uh, peppers with it. Yep. There you Make go. sure you wear your glasses. So none of those seeds fly into your eyes. Don't rub your eyes afterwards, right? (laughs) All right. We're going to take a break. When we come back, uh, we'll have two two more tips to close out the show. We'll be right back. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by Salty Seafood Waterfront Restaurants. Visit them on the water at their Alki, Redondo, and Portland locations. Hi, my name is Shelly. I'm from Tacoma, and one of my favorite places to eat in Tacoma is Josefina's. Hi, it's Leslie Mackey from Macrina Bakery here in Seattle, and you're listening to the Seattle Dining Show. Jump left. Jump right. Jump left. Jump right. Jump left. Jump right. Jump left. Jump right. We are back on the Seattle Dining Show, and we're almost to the end. But, uh, as always, we like to close out the show with a, a tip and a trick. So, uh, Derek, 
Yeah. What's your, what's your final trip? That's right. As if we haven't given you enough already gold for the whole year here, right? We'll give you a few more. So <laughs> I believe after this, right, it'll be five from each of us and then uh, two from each so of us So it'll here. be 12. It'll be one, one for, for every month, month of there the year. There you go, yeah. You go. <laughs> so my tip is, uh, you know, is is to kind of – you know, if you've been cooking a long time and if you if you consider yourself still an amateur cook, you know, we spend a lot of time, you know, we've got jobs and all that kind of stuff. So sometimes we can get into sort of ruts with our recipes and our meals and that sort of thing. But I find it can be really helpful, though, to some of your go-to recipes that you have. You may not even have them written down. They may be in your head. But to maybe pare back a little bit some of the spices and the ingredients that you put in there and really make sure that you're getting the most out of each individual ingredient. You know, there's a lot of times where we can feel like we're dropping in a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and that's just the way we've always done it. But you might not be taking full advantage of like, say, the richness of maybe a bone stock or the importance of even the way that you're sautéing your vegetables early in the process. Mm-hmm. So just little things like that. Learning it, new ways to do some of those yeah, standard things. And kind of going back to the basics and really making sure that your foundation for those things are super strong and you're getting the most out of every ingredient um, can be really helpful. I, at this point now, um, probably over the last two years, I've pretty much cleaned out my spice cabinet. I only use really a few things. Well, that's what you got me thinking about was um – <clears throat> dumping all your spices and yeah. start buying in bulk as you need them. Eh, maybe, you know, you buy a tablespoon of something when all you needed was a teaspoon. But you're not going to have like this, you know, jar with six inches of onion powder in it right. that you're using once every four years or something. Yeah, absolutely. And you get a lot tastier food that way. Yeah, certainly. I couldn't agree with that more. So just, you know, maybe take a, a moment or two when you've got your regular dishes to – Think about how you might be able to pair things back and uh, take advantage more of some of the base ingredients because there's probably some hidden windows of opportunity there. All right. Well, mine, uh, my last one here is going back to what we were talking about with uh, cleaning out the seeds out of peppers. And uh, one of the things that I do is um, you can go down to Salmon Bay Gravel down in Ballard and you can buy bifocal safety glasses. Yeah. So for those of us that are older, if we need bifocals, we could be – or if we need reading glasses, we could be wearing bifocal safety glasses in the kitchen. Uh, for you who isn't there yet, uh, you can get yourself a nice pair of safety glasses sure. anyways because a uh, regular pair of reading glasses isn't going to – May not protect your eyes if something blows up in the kitchen, whereas the safety glasses would do a better job. And in your case, you're not wearing anything right now. Right. So uh, you want to protect your eyes so you can read the next recipe. Yeah, or just stay away from the hot peppers. I'm not too much of a spicy guy. (laughs) All righty. Well, that is our show for January. Uh, We've got some really great guests coming up in February, and I'm not – going to tell you who they are because we haven't recorded the segments yet but i know who they are and uh it's going to be really good connie will be back and uh, we'll be back on track in february so uh, if you if you if you like the show make sure you pass it on to another friend of yours let them know about it uh make sure you go on the itunes and give us a nice rating if you like it let us know how we're doing let other people know how we're doing and uh, for sure, subscribe free to seattledining.com. If you don't already do that, you do that right online. And uh, we want you to dine out often. We want you to eat healthy at home. 
And this looked like something from December. It says, enjoy your beverages responsibly. There you go. Always a good tip. <laughs> we'll see you next month on the Seattle Dine-In Show. Thanks for listening to another edition of the Seattle Dining Show. This program is a copyrighted production of Mixed Media and may not be reproduced in part or in whole without written permission of the legal owner, all right? However, feel free to share the link with all your friends on Facebook. Studio equipment for this broadcast was purchased locally at American Music of Fremont Icon. The views and opinions expressed on this show are exclusive to the hosts and guests and do not reflect those of former employees of Bill the Butcher, the Surrogate Hostess, the Beeline Diner, Louie's Chinese Cuisine, the Doghouse, the Five Mile House, Charlie's, the Twin Teepees, Ocean Air, Benjamin's, the Madison Park Cafe, or any other lost Seattle icon. Subscribe free to our monthly magazine online at seattledining.com and join us next time for another edition of the Seattle Dining Show.